4. 2 Corinthians 4. And I want to talk just a little bit more about faith here tonight. Just a kind of a different arena of faith to encourage you, but also just to really, really kind of light you up tonight with the things of God. You know, you don't have to live negative. You don't have to live with, with doubt and unbelief. You don't have to live sad or mad or angry. You know why? Because the Bible says you don't have to. But I got to start living by the Word of God. In Jeremiah 1.12, it says that God said, I am ready to perform my Word. This is what Jeremiah 1.12 said. God said, I am ready to perform my Word. So the Word of God is the foundation of God's integrity. God cannot change. He does not lie. And so what happens to us as human beings, the badges of, of uh, this world would be deceit and lying and stealing and cheating and a lack of integrity with people. And so what ultimately happens is because we see how this, wor uh, this world operates, many times it's very difficult for us to believe the Word of God because we look at how people are. But that's where we got to get back and say, man, I've got to start believing God. I've got to believe the Word of God. Because if you don't, you're going to live with that doubt and unbelief. There's two forms that doubt and unbelief operate in. The first form is ignorant. When you're just ignorant to the Word of God, you don't know nothing about the Word of God, you're going to live in doubt and unbelief. I've been there. The second area is when we know the Word of God, but we refuse to act upon it. We refuse to allow the Word of God to govern us. And so it's one thing to know the Word of God, and it's another thing to act on the Word of God. And so when I talk about to believe the Word of God, to believe the Word of God is to do it. To believe the Word of God is to obey it. And right there with I say that, many times people will say, well, how do I get there? What do I do to learn to believe the Word of God? Well, one of the best places I could take you would be Joshua 1.8. You've got to let the Word soak in you. You've got to feed on the Word daily. You've got to get the Word in your mind. Start meditating on it. Start thinking it. That's Romans 12.2. Be transformed by the renewing of the, of the mind. But then, begin to speak the Word out of your mouth. Release the Word out of your mouth. Now, here in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13, I just want to read this one verse, and then we're going to jump real quick. Listen to what verse 13 says. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written. Now, remember, faith is a byproduct of the Word of God. Uh, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so the only way faith is going to come is by hearing the Word. And so he says here that since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written. That's why it's powerful for me and you to find Scripture that pertains to our life on a daily basis. And then look what he goes on to say. I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. Now the message says, I believed it, so I said it. We say what we believe. That's important for us, me and you, to begin to speak the Word of God because you will never rise above the level of your confession. Okay? I mean, if you confess being mediocre, you're going to live with that. Invariably, you will rise to the level of your confession. The Word spoken out of your mouth. How's that? That's a spiritual law. Where's that? Proverbs 18, 21. 
Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So you know what it's better to say? Life and death are in the power of my tongue. So guess what my words are doing? They're either setting me free, they're speaking life, or they're imprisoning me and speaking death. And so this is what he's getting over here. This is in a nutshell we've talked about week after week after week after week. You want to locate where your face's at? Just start listening to what's coming out of your mouth. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror. And I could switch to the negative. I really don't want to because I'd rather highlight the positive that we speak life. Not only over your own, own life, but your children. What was that? That's Romans 4, 17. Remember last week that Father God said about Abraham, He calls those things that be not as though they are. He begins to speak the Word of God. And he keeps speaking the Word of God. Turn over to the book of Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, just right there to your right. The very next book of the Bible will be Galatians. Galatians 3. Ooh, I've got to get the word on the inside of me. Begin to speak it out of your mouth. I mean, the, the spoken word, the rhema, is powerful. Speak the word of God. Remember, Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, Whosoever will say to the mountain, What am I speaking to the mountain? The word of God. Call the, I don't care what the difficulties are in your life. You may be facing some huge obstacles in your marriage. What are you speaking over it? Well, he's as sorry as a dog. He's a lazy bum. The only thing he does good every day is sleep. Well, I'm going to tell you, when you start confessing that stuff over your marriage, what do you expect? This is what's going to happen. Remember, the end of Mark eleven twenty three says, you're going to have whatever you say. Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish or silly or thoughtless Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by your flesh or your works? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Holy Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, what I like this to is childlike faith. Listen, I can't abandon that. i got to continue with, with childlike faith because when you think out of your effort or the way you do things, you're going to reach your goals, you're not. Remember the example here. Even there in verse 2, he said, you got to start hearing the word. Start hearing the Word and start believing the Word and start acting upon the Word and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Now, I can tell you this right now. In my life, 30-plus years, I've, I've honored God and I serve God. And I can say this. I have no regrets in my life for, for serving God. I have zero regrets for serving God. I don't look back and think, I wish I wouldn't have done it. Now, the point in saying that is right now there's, there's people that are saying, I don't know if it's worth it to serve God. I don't know if there's really any benefit to serve God. And maybe that's you tonight. But I, I can sincerely stand before you and say, I don't have regrets for serving God. And I'll tell you, when I go to my grave, I'm going to go to my grave believing God. I'm going to go to the grave believing God. I'm going to tell you that. Point blank. And my point in saying that is, 
as believers, and this may locate you, and this may swatch your little spiritual bottom tonight, but if, if you are a person that says, well, I'm going to believe God for one more day. Well, I'm going to believe God for one more week. Well, I'm going to believe Him for one more month. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a slap in Father God's face. And Romans 1 says, the just shall live by faith. We won't visit faith. We will live by faith. Romans 3 talks about we'll be justified by faith. So here's the point. Get all the way in. Jump in and stay in and keep serving God and keep believing Him right here. Because this is how the kingdom of God works. When you're, when you're straddled, you're on the fence, when you're in one day and out the next, you know why? You're going to live lukewarm. Some of you got to make the decision, I'm all in tonight, God. I'm all in. Quit just moving half your stack. Move your whole spiritual chips in. I'm all in, Father God. That's Texas Hold'em, if some of you didn't know that. All right, go with me to the book of, of 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now, as you're turning there, this is, this is the, the story of King David before he was walking as the king. And his father had told him, listen, you need to take some supplies up to your brothers. They're up there fighting, and so you can read it. He, he sends them a bunch of cheese and stuff. And so David walks up on the scene. This is 1 Samuel 17, verse 25. Now listen. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Now I want you to notice right there what it says, that you hear the promises that what's going to take place to this man. But if you'll notice there, it says, this happens to the man who kills him. In other words, your life and David, it wasn't just going to be handed to him on a platter. It just wasn't going to be given it to him. He was going to have to do something to, to inherit what, what there was promised here. Verse 26, Then David spoke to the men who stood by and saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the approach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now he's just showed up there, remember? And now twice he said, What's the promise here? What's the, tell me again one more time what would happen. Verse 28. Now Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. He was mad at David. And you know what? There'll be people that'll get mad at you at times when you start standing on the promise of God. When you start telling them what God's going to do. And right here, David's older brother, he's mad at him. He's upset with him. So he goes on to say, and he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Now, whether you realize this or not, he's slapping David. If you'll note there, he didn't say, you've just left those sheep. He said, you've left those few sheep. In other words, you're not qualified to be here. Who do you think you are? Keep reading. And he said, I know your pride or your conceited and the insolence or the wickedness of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. And David said, 
What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And that's a question for each one of the times. When you start standing up for the things of God for your own life, you got to put your hand right there. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause why I'm doing this? Verse 30. Then he turned from him toward another, and he said the same thing, and these people answered him as the first one. So you know what? Three times. He says, now tell me again what's going to happen to whoever kills this guy. And so in this passage here, the word gets out to King Saul that we got a player. We got a guy who, who wants to stand up and fight here. And so look with me there. In, in, when he says there, and we'll keep going on, when he says in, in verse 34, And David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, and I struck it. And I delivered the lamb from its mouth, and when it arose, it rose against me. I caught it by the beard, and it struck, and I killed it. Now, as I look at this every time when I read it, every one of these soldiers, they heard the same promises that David did. They had the same opportunity as David did. See, it's just like me and you. Every one of us have the same opportunities with the Word of God. But when I read this right here, you begin to see that David stepped out by faith. David, understand this. The bigger the problem or the bigger the mountain, the bigger the reward. But I believe he also understood this. In, in 1 Timothy 6, 12, it says, we're to fight the good fight of faith. Faith is not for the wimps. Faith is not for sissies, guys. There's going to have to be a fight that we begin to rise up. And I believe as believers in our Western culture, we've adopted this concept that if anything in our life is that of opposition, affliction, tribulation, turmoil or trouble, this can't be a God. But when I look at everything that David went through, I thought, that's all he knew to get where he was going. And so he begins to tell about the lion and the tiger and the bear. And look what he goes on to say. I went out after it and I struck it. And I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught its by beard and I struck and killed it. Now, when I read that, the lion was opposition. The bear was turmoil. You think when he looked at, at, at Goliath, there wasn't anxiety within him. He's thinking, oh my gosh. But see, David looked at him with the eye of faith. Now listen in verse number 37. Listen to David's words out of his mouth. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so David he begins to speak exactly what he believed. If you'll notice in there, he didn't say, man, I've I got to cross my fingers that this happens. Man, I hope it. I mean, he said his faith was in a living God. And so when you go back and look at his life, he started with the lions and the bears, and God kept moving his faith up, and he kept moving his faith up. See, all the other, the army... They saw this giant was too big to kill. You know what David saw? He's too big to miss. See, he looked at things with the eye of faith. 
that's important for each one of us, that we begin to look at our circumstance through the eye of, and have the same mentality that David did. He didn't back off. You know the rest of the story. And this was just part of David's life, how he went from, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from victory to victory. But he had to keep fighting. He had to keep fighting. Now, go with me into the book of Romans, chapter 25. Romans chapter, or not Romans, Matthew 25, excuse me. Matthew 25. And this is the, the parable of the talents. I want you to see something in here tonight that I believe will help you and encourage you. But for me and you to change, if you want your life to change, it comes to a thing that I've, I become responsible. That I, I become a person that I'm going to keep on living for God by His Word. And understand, life is not going to be handed to you. It wasn't handed to David either. But once again, quit blaming God. Understand this. God's going to work in your situation. I hear more and more, you know what people say? I don't know why God's doing this to me. I don't know why God's doing that. I don't know why all this stuff is happening in my life. Listen, quit blaming God. God has given us everything that we need, the name, the blood. Keep standing. Think about it. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. That's a good thing. You can't quit, but you've got to understand. Responsibility, man, on the things of God. God did it. Jesus did it. I'm going to have to keep living for him. The parable of the talent, Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants, and he delivered or entrusted his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each one according to his own ability. Now, if you'll notice in there, Every one of them were given something. Not one of them did he say, you're a zero. Five, two, and one. But every one of them got something. Now look at the last part of verse 15. And it says, and immediately he went on a journey. You know what that tells me? That when the Lord Jesus gave us these gifts or these talents that he entrusted us with, he had confidence in us because you know what? He immediately left. He said, here it is, everything I've done, it's yours. I'm throwing the ball into your court. Now, really, you could go to Matthew 16, 19, and verse 18 of that says that, that the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Verse 19, it says, and I give you the keys of the kingdom. I've given you the authority. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So right here, even in that light, the Lord Jesus saying, here you go. I've entrusted you. Now what are you going to do with it? Verse 16. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and he made another five talents. Now what I see right here, this guy who was blessed with the five talents, he didn't just lay around. He didn't play it safe. He went out and traded. He went out and worked. He went out and did something and it became ten. Now, I believe this with my heart, that, that Jesus gave him the five talents, but he gave him a ten-talent assignment. He didn't expect us to stay the same, and the Scriptures prove that out. So whatever he's given you, he's not saying for you to stay in the boat. He's saying you've got to do something. Begin to exercise your faith. Begin to believe me. Begin to trust me. And some of you would say, well, that'd stretch me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't believe in our lives as believers. We were called to coast. 
The change in my life only comes when I engage the process. When I begin to step out and I begin to believe God because great victories are a result of great challenges. See, I'll never achieve anything great as long as I sit in the boat. What do I mean, what do I mean by sitting in the boat? Remember when Jesus looked at Peter and said, walk on the water? How many of those other disciples did, did they do it? None of them. So you know what it is to sit in the boat? It's easy to sit in the boat. You know what people do who sit in the boat? They criticize. They get mad at the ones who are doing something. But Peter was the only one who got out of the boat. Now, I've said this numerous times, and in my own life, I would rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat setter. You can sit in the boat all day. And so you've got to begin to engage the process because every one of us in this room, we were given something. Every one of us. Don't, don't, I've not met. Yeah, you were. Now, think about this. When you get around people that live in doubt and unbelief, what does that do to you? That pulls you down. I'm going to tell you, if you've got friends that, that are full of doubt and unbelief, break up with them. Get some new friends. Get around people that will challenge your faith. Think about this. How many of you have ever been around people that have great faith? I mean, great faith that you get around people, and I'm going to tell you, talking about challenge you. I love to get around people like that. And there's a man that I'm real, real close to. And years ago, he started a business. Man, him and his wife, they worked and they worked, and that business began to take off. And God said to him, I want you to double your business. And you know what he said? But Lord, that would stretch me. And God said, I want you to double it. So he did. He built another part of his business, and it began to expand. And three years later, the Lord said to him, double it again. Double it again. Now, when I talk about this guy, I'm not talking about a guy that deals in, in thousands of dollars. I'm talking about a guy that deals in millions. So the Lord said to him, double your business again. And he was like, whoa, Lord, whoa. So he does it. Three years later, he calls me, and this was about six years ago now, and he said, can you come to my house on a Sunday afternoon? I'd like to talk to you. So there were six of us that got to his house that day, and he said, my business has expanded. It's blown up. And he said, to be honest with you, I could play it safe the rest of my life. I could coast the rest of my life. But he said, you know what? We weren't called to coast. We were called to use our talents and our abilities. And he started telling me how many people he could begin to reach for the kingdom of God. But he said, in order for me to do this, i got to double my business again. He said, what do you guys think? We're all looking at him like, go for it, do it. Now listen, I'm going to throw a figure out here. In order for him to do this, he was going to have to go in debt, $20 million. When I heard that figure, my little, my little pea brain faith just, it rocked. I looked like, oh my gosh. And he said, you know what? He said, this will stretch me. I'm going to have to trust God, and I'm going to have to believe God. Now see, this is the point. If you're not trusting God, if you're not believing God for stuff right now in your life, you're a boat setter. You're just sitting in the boat, coasting through life. So he goes, and he, he starts this new business. And within three years, that business is completely out of debt. I saw that man two months ago, and I said, tell me, what's your biggest dilemma right now? And he said, 
I got to double my business again. And he said, I'm excited. Because he said, my faith is fixing to be stretched. Now, this is what I'm talking about. I don't care what, what you're doing, what you're believing. If your life is so blessed, then why don't you get your faith out and be, believe God for other people? Begin, but I can't keep sitting there. And so when you look at this, oh gosh, we got to hurry. Verse 20, oh, where are we at here? You guys got to help. Okay, verse 16. Then he would receive the five talents, went and traded, and he made five more talents, and the two gained two. But he had received one, went and dug in the ground, and he hid the Lord's money. He said, you know what? I'm not going to do nothing. I'm going to play it safe. Let me tell you guys, God never intended for me and you to play it safe. So look at God's response there in verse 21. When he came and settled accounts. Verse 20, so he went and received five talents, came and brought five other talents, and Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. And look at the Lord's response. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Then he says this to the two talents. Then he gets to the old boy who played it safe. Verse 24, he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. What was he afraid of? Failure. Fear is always the breeding ground for failure. I'm going to tell you guys, fear will squeeze the very things of God out of you. How do you know that? Just look at what happened to the army of Israel. All of them walked in. Oh my gosh, there's Goliath. What you begin to see here in this passage, the Lord addressed this one who never used his faith. And he said, you wicked you lazy, you idle servant. I don't want to be known that way. And I don't believe you do either. And that's why last week when I got over and got ready to quit, some of you are pregnant with a dream. Don't give it. Begin to move toward that dream. Begin to believe God. Begin to stand on your faith. Begin to just keep being persistent. I mean, I don't know if you got what Gino said. It was 17 years. Until that happened with his daughter. And you know what some of you would say? I don't have 17 years. Yeah, you do. The job here is me. I just got to keep believing God. I'm going to believe God every day, every day, every day. And don't give up on those seeds. Some of you have planted things in the kingdom of God. Keep believing God. Keep standing on the things of God. Don't give up. And do what you can. I'm going to tell you. Every one of us are called to serve. Every one of us are called to give. Every one of us are called to be a blessing. Where, Pastor? Man, just open your eyes. It's everywhere. All you got to do is be around people. Stand up for the nursery worker. Shoot me. Have to get a whole new nursery. Once again, guys.